Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Compliance Clarified. My name is Alexander Robson, and I'm the Managing Editor of Regulatory Intelligence here in London. Today, I'm joined by Lindsay Rogerson, Senior Editor in London, and Rachel Walcott, Senior Editor in London. And we're here to discuss the outlook for 2023 for enforcement in the UK and chiefly the work of the Financial Conduct Authority. The regulator has had a busy start to the year, completing historic enforcement actions, and things are likely to get busier with a change in personnel. Ashley Alder arrives any day as the new FCA chairman from Hong Kong's Securities and Futures Commission, where he oversaw the introduction of a personal liability regime. The long-serving enforcement director, Mark Stewart, is departing the FCA this spring and would surely like to complete as many cases as possible before he goes, particularly the ones started under his watch. In his near eight years in the job, the number of open enforcement cases rose by more than 300% from 150 open cases in 2014-15 to 603 open cases in 2021-2022. The enforcement process slowed as case numbers mounted, although it improved between 2020 and 2021 and 2021-22. The time it is taking cases to conclude has stretched to 36 months for civil cases, 33 months for regulatory cases, 30 months for criminal cases, and 27 months for dual track cases, according to 2021-22 data from the regulator. This year, has seen big fines imposed on Al Ryan Bank and Guarantee Trust for historic anti-money laundering failings and the filing of criminal charges in an alleged insider dealing and money laundering case. Lindsay, if we start with the arrival of a new chairman, what do you think the effect is likely to be this year? Hi, Alex. Yes, so Ashley Alder's arrival, as you say, is imminent, and I think it is an interesting one. I just want to read a bit from his written evidence to the Treasury Select Committee. Well, it was a questionnaire for his confirmation hearing in December. He said, I have led a regulator which emphasizes credible, high-profile deterrence to tackle market abuse, fraud, and failures by firms and individuals to comply with codes of conduct. There should be no contradiction between a determined, tough approach to enforcement and the overall strength of the UK as a global financial centre. The latter is dependent on the former. To me, this suggests that older sees enforcement as something that boosts financial centres, not diminishes them. I know the role of chair is not the same as chief executive and Hong Kong is not the UK, but I think the board under Alder will be asking some tough questions of the executive about how long it takes to get cases across the line and even the prioritisation of cases. The other interesting thing to me about Alder's arrival is he introduced and oversaw Hong Kong's manager-in-charge regime, its personal liability regime. Obviously, the Edinburgh Reforms Package, the UK government announced that it will be reviewing the UK's personal liability regime, um, the senior manager and certification regime. I just want to add a word of caution to those, and I've heard several industry quarters sort of chomping at the bit to that this review will maybe scrap it from the latest one I heard was take it away from the fund management sector altogether and just return it to the banking sector where it started. But I would uh, 
counter that with Alder's evidence to the Treasury Select Committee. And he told them that he viewed personal accountability regimes as effective in reducing risk in the financial system. So I definitely think this is one to watch. Rachel, what about you? What, what, what are your thoughts? Well, like we said in our 2023 Outlook piece, Stewart's uh, FCA tenure has been a bit of a mixed bag. He's had some wins. He's had some misses. One of the things his uh, successor, who should be announced soon, one of the things they're going to need to address is turnover. It was really high uh, during Stewart's uh, tenure. Uh, as at the end of 2022, there were 93 vacancies in the Enforcement and Market Oversight Division. I mean, that's quite a lot. I mean, I think, I think there's probably probably pushing 500 people in that division now. Uh, at least there was. Uh, but so high turnover may be one of these things that's contributing to some of the slowness in achieving out enforcement outcomes. Just on the point about the long time, the years that some it's taking some of the enforcement actions to conclude, um, is the FCA did uh, a few years ago now uh, change the regulatory decisions committee roles to speed up enforcement action, but we haven't seen much evidence of that yet. It doesn't mean that it's not happening. It's just that the whole process is cloaked in confidentiality, and it's hard to gauge whether a measure like this one is working as advertised. The enforcement unit is the final one of the FCA to go through the transformation, and that'll be this year, Rachel? Well, I think that'll be another thing that the new uh, enforcement head will have on their plate. Just to be clear, as much as we know that the uh, enforcement and oversight uh, group has not been transformed, when we were working on pieces about this a couple of years ago, we were told that it was going to have to wait. But um, the new head is going to have to look at the number of enforcement cases that are opened by EMO, as it's called, under Steward's tenure. Um, There are, like you said, Alex, currently 603 cases open as the last available, as of the last available figures, which are well out of date. But I mean, surely some of these are going to be closed. Uh, When uh, Stewart left Hong Kong eight years ago, a lot of uh, enforcement cases were closed down because he had opened a lot there too. But, you know, technology is probably going to be another part of this uh, transformation conversation at the FCA. They're all about being data-driven and technology innovating. So we should expect to see potentially some more applications of tech. Uh, They've already had in uh, enforcement some technology procurements for case management. I mean, that was kind of a while ago now. But the FCA should be looking to see what might need improving in that regard. There have been a few instances where balls have been dropped due to human error, like the Blackmore Bond case. They were supposed to be sending over information to the City of London Police. That didn't happen. A lot of that was addressed in the London Capital and Finance Report um, done by uh, Dame Elizabeth Gloucester. And since then, the FCA said it's doing a lot more to prevent these failures. Um, And 
some of the examples have been investing in web scraping tools to detect potential misconduct. There have been some internal information systems it's created to improve communication and tracking of reported misconduct. And it's also got this single view of firm capability that it's been piloting to track firms more effectively and efficiently. But none of this has really been explained in a lot of detail to, to, to anybody. So another thing that it's doing is tendering for some new market surveillance capabilities to detect market abuse. But these new market surveillance tools are still in the works. I don't know if they've actually completed the tender for them yet. What I'd love the FCA to do as part of its transformation, and Lindsay kind of alluded to this, is to benchmark its enforcement functions performance against its peers. That could be Hong Kong or some uh, EU regulators, or even the US, the SEC, CFTC, and FINRA, which conclude huge numbers of enforcement actions every year. People are jailed or receive bans of some kind at a much higher rate in the U.S. than they do here. And if the U.K. is such a big market, how is it that there are so few uh, enforcement actions, so few insider dealing and market abuse cases here? It's an open secret, for example, that MAR compliance is not great, but we see few fines for systems and control failures. And it's odd, given the Dear CEO letter sent, to wholesale brokers at the beginning of the year that was decrying many faults in that sector. Lindsay, I just want to go back to something you said earlier about the Edinburgh reforms and the mooted changes to the SMCR. I think we've we've discussed previously and we've written uh, previously that you know, perhaps these changes aren't going to be as big as some people have trumpeted. But do you think there's... Uh, you know, that there'll be any read across to enforcement? Andrew Griffith, the economic secretary to the treasury aka the city minister was before the treasury set committee at the turn of the year i can't remember it was december or january it was something that they raised with him and he basically said well he was hoping that the review would surface information around um so the treasury select committee actually put to him you know why are you wanting to sort of water down this regime which a point he denied i should say he denied that was what was happening he just said after five years, it's sensible to do a stock taking exercise and see where we are. But um, he said, you know, he hoped that the review would surface numbers on uh, the, you know, the actions that have been taken. And we've reported previously that actually the PRA, so the Prudential Regulatory Authority, rather than the Financial Conduct Authority, due to a fat fingered exercise um, or accident that over there, they weren't actually collecting data on what firms were doing internally with a uh, individuals who had been deemed to have misbehaved, but perhaps not needed to be highlighted to the regulator. They were disciplined internally. That data wasn't collected for 18 months. Um, And, you know, there's other issues over there, which we flagged before as well about um, the information not actually being centralized at the the PRA. So it might be that the regime is being much more effective um, without sort of the enforcement cases that end in fines and regulations and to Rachel's point you know what some of the other regulators in other countries do is they they note when people have been sanctioned 
or you know and so maybe there's a lot more of that going on under under the radar that we don't see and 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 will come to the fore so it will be an interesting one but i just as i said i i've heard some very interesting sort of wish lists from people about the what this review will actually mean and i just don't think it's going to mean that at all because to the lawmakers and to the public it it hasn't produced um, I've used this phrase before, heads on spikes, um, that it was intended to by the lawmakers, although that has always been disputed by the regulators. So it, again, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, thank you. Uh, Lindsay, any, any, final, any final thoughts? I have um, two things I want to highlight very quickly, and I will be very quick, um, that I think we should watch out for in 2023. The first is a case from this month, which shows the FCA acting very quickly to close down harm. The case, which is Campbell & Associates Independent Financial Advice Limited, concerns a one-man band IFA who didn't invest a client's money where he was supposed to, and in fact, he spent it if you read the supervisory notice, which I will put in the show notes for anyone that is interested. But the point I actually want to make about this is um, that the timeline here from when I'm assuming the the wronged client first notified the regulator to when this supervisory notice came out, it's really only a matter of weeks. So the 26th of January to February 9th. And that is... You know, if you if you go back to what Rachel was talking about, drop balls, you know, and all the mistakes highlighted in um, uh, the Gloucester review, this, um, you know, it's it's only one case. You can't extrapolate too much action against a one man band to actions against the big financial firms and the timeline involved there. But if this does turn out to be evidence um, of post Gloucester reforms, bring around faster action. I just think it's it'll be one to watch as the year progresses. The other one I want to uh, think people should watch out for is the judicial review of the FCA's approval of the prospectus of the oil company Ithaca Energy. Um, the, the case centers around um, a net zero assessment and claims in a prospectus that the FCA signed off. Again, won't bore people with the details. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to re- uh, read about it, you're not already aware of it. Um, The point I want to make here is I think that regardless of whether the case is allowed to proceed, it will lead to the FCA being more careful about what is said in prospectuses in the future. And indeed, um, we're already seeing this from European regulators, um, ESMA and the European uh, 27 financial regulators uh, do an annual review of what's said in prospectus documents and annual reports. And we've seen uh, regulatory action taken there in the past. So again, just think um, it's a very interesting area to watch. And that's me. Thank you. Rachel? Um, Just to pick up on Lindsay's point about Ithaca Energy and the lawsuit from uh, Client Earth, I I think the FCA will continue to be subject to more attempts to, you know, by external uh, stakeholders to hold it to account. And one way that could uh, play out this year is more attempts to get judicial reviews brought of its uh, decisions, for example. It was something that was brought up uh, in terms of the interest rate hedging products um, review. People were unhappy with some of the decisions and conclusions. And it's something that is always in the mix there. So 
you know, potentially like this Ithaca Energy case, we could see the regulator itself being challenged. And now that the uh, there's going to be this new account regulatory accountability regime coming in, we could see more in that regard. But more broadly, what we've seen so far, we've kind of talked about already, is the FCA wrapping up some cases that have been in the works for a while. And we might see, and I really hesitate to make any predictions, but we might see some moves on sanctions compliance this year because we know the FCA has been checking sanctions compliance. And we also know that the FCA likes to use enforcement actions to make a statement. So lately, that's been a lot around AML and KYC. We've had a bunch of enforcements on that. Um, it has a small number of market abuse cases in the pipeline, one of which is a retrial. But if you look at what some of the big themes have been around consumer and outcomes for consumer, and especially in this cost of living crisis, we could see more regulatory enforcement activity there, although given the long timelines, it could be another you know five years at least before we see anything. Another thing this year, this is sort of a kind of a comment rather than an outlook. The FCA has become less transparent about enforcement activity it's undertaking and you know how, what's going on internally. So for example, this the last annual reports enforcement commentary didn't have data on cost of enforcement cases, for example, um, and some of the commentary in the just overall was a bit less. I feel like the FCA could be putting out um, a quarterly enforcement report just in terms of some data and statistics about what it's doing, and that would just save a lot of time for the information disclosure team responding to Freedom of Information Act's uh, requests. It's definitely got this information. I think we should be seeing more of it, not just on an annual basis. Uh, and the last thing I wanted to say was just um, in regard to the senior manager's regime, as Lindsay was saying, that we haven't had a huge amount of outcomes and we haven't had heads on on pikes or whatever uh, weapon. But we did have, uh, I think it was earlier this month or late last month, the uh, first decision notice on uh, Tom Kolaris, who used to work for Barclays. And they were saying that they didn't think he was, that, well, they weren't persuaded that he was a fit and proper person to uh, be a senior manager at a firm that he's established now, Kolaris was involved in the uh, Qatar funding uh, that was occurred in 2008 at the, in the financial crisis. There was a big case around that. And what's interesting, and we can again put this in the show notes for people who haven't had a chance to look at it, is that it does give you a peek behind the scenes about what's going on. And now that this is going to the upper tribunal because Kolaris is contesting the FCA finding. Uh, you know, we have a, like I said, a peek behind the scenes. People can see what kind of activity is going on in terms of senior manager 
uh, authorization. Some of these, they might have just dropped them in the past and not challenged them. So again, sh just shows that we don't ever have a full picture of what's going on. Well, thank you both. Uh, that seems like an appropriate uh, time to bring today's proceedings to a close. So until next time. Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence.